Welcome to Choir Talks. My name is Greg O'Neill. I'm the worship pastor at Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Madison, Mississippi. I'm glad you've joined me today for this podcast. Today we're looking at Luke 19 and the parable of the Minas. Here's the story. While they were listening to this, he, being Jesus, went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, We don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, the master replied. Because you have been faithful in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? Then why didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, Take his mina from him and give it to the one who has ten. Sir, they replied, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you that uh, to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. I love how Jesus told stories. They make things easy to understand uh, because stories engage your mind and your imagination through images and narrative. Uh, They make difficult concepts accessible to us. But at the same time, however, they're also complex. They make you ponder over those images and characters to fully understand them, what they represent, and then to apply them to yourself and your circumstance. So here's the parable of the minus. It's a very similar parable to the more familiar parable of the talents, but it's not to be confused with its more famous cousin. There are several differences that make this parable uh, have different meaning. Uh, it's For one thing, it's given to a different audience and for a different pers- purpose. The parable of the talents is given to the disciples, but this parable is taught to a, a larger group of, of followers. And... Um, the uh, verse 11, uh, the first verse that I read to you, tells us that these people know that Jesus is going to Jerusalem and that they believe that he is going to immediately be established as the king there. So that with that context, we know that this parable is helping them to understand that his kingship is not when they expect or even what they expect. Let's break down the characters here. First of all, you have the man of noble worth which I think you've guessed is Jesus. Even though in parts of the 
parable, it doesn't sound like a very Jesus type of person. That is who he represents. And remember, a parable isn't a perfect story. It doesn't, uh, the character of the people involved don't always exactly match the character of of God or of Jesus. But in this case, it is definitely talking about Jesus. The distant country that he mentions tells us what is important here, which is that his kingdom is not immediately going to be established, but it is uh, that he's traveling a great distance, meaning there's a great deal of time yet to be had. So these people, this is right before his triumphal entry, and they might have been the same group of people that that met him along the way and said, Hosanna, blessed is the son of David, the king who is to come. But his kingdom in its reality and its fulfillment is far into the future. Uh, Perhaps it's what Revelation refers to in, in chapter 11 when it says, the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. Then there's the ten servants. These servants represent his followers. The word here is doulos, or those uh, slaves, or servants. Uh, And so other times when this word is used in the New Testament, it is referring to the servants of, of Christ. The ten minus represent, I think, the gospel. Now, there are a lot of different ideas on what the minus represent, In the parable of the talents, the similar parable, the talents uh, given each servant differ in their amounts, 10 talents, five talents, whatever. Uh, And so those maybe represent different abilities of the people that are are given to. But here, everyone has the same amount, one mina. And so that to me implies uh, the gospel, that all of us are given the same story Uh, to give away in building the kingdom. We're all given the same basic truth. Uh, Just as Paul said this, he said, For what I have received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scripture. So that's the gospel in a nutshell. And Paul says he received it, and then he passed it on. So I think that's a similar idea to what we get here with the minus. Then you have the instruction. What does he tell them to do? And the instruction is simply put this to work. These minus, and in my belief, the gospel is uh, something that we are to invest uh, through our lives in the world around us. Then there are people mentioned that are not the servants. They are the king's subjects, and it says that they are opposed to Christ. Now, in his immediate audience, he's referring to the Jewish leaders there or the Jewish leaders of his day that, that are rejecting him as the Messiah. But I think also the implication is that it's all, maybe even in the future, who are going to reject Christ So if we're going to be Jesus' followers, we are to put to work the gospel that he has given us to grow the kingdom. The first two servants did that well. The first servant took his mina and produced ten, and the second produced five. Um, That's amazing growth, isn't it? The lesson here, I think, is that faithfulness in small matters, as he says, uh, small things, uh, will bring great effectiveness where the Lord's work is concerned. Our willingness to share the gospel with just one person could potentially uh, result in thousands coming to know him through the course of time.
Sometimes I marvel about the fact that God's plan is to build a kingdom through the frailty of human beings. Uh, we know ourselves and our failings and how often we miss the mark. Um, but I have to remember uh, the parable of the mustard seed, that, that small, frail thing that becomes a great, a great tree. Um, God is able to abundantly use even our frailty. Um, just like the parable of the sowers that Jesus talks about, the sower, uh, true believers also will produce fruit as they scatter seed. Also in John 15, if you look at that chapter, you see that, that Jesus tells us that he chose us as, as his disciples and appointed us to bear fruit, to bear much fruit. And so that's what we're to do with the gospel. Uh, it's not to be hidden away. And so here you have the third servant. He's the one that hides this beautiful gift to the world. He hides it away in a cloth. The third servant is interesting and tragic. By his own admission, the third servant uh, proves that he doesn't really know the master. He knew about the master, but his actions show that he didn't really believe. To me, he represents those who are in name only type of Christians, those who aren't really willing to follow the word of Christ. And as the character here, they're going to be surprised to find out that even what they think they have is going to be taken away from them. The one who has been faithful uh, will be resourced and given even more. Uh, Jesus says in the previous chapter in Luke 18, 29, he says, No one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. So, those who are effective in putting the gospel out there will be resourced to be even more effective and there will be a reward. Even in their sacrifice, there will be blessings. I think in this parable, as in all the parables that Jesus told, he wants us to see ourselves and he wants us to see how we should align ourselves with his teaching, with his mission and with his character. So the question for you and me today is, who are you in this parable? Where do you fit in in this parable? And maybe more importantly, what do you need to do to align yourself with the work of Jesus? I hope you have a great day.